Welcome to the Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Sarah Colantonio. Our intention for the Behaviorist podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. I have a quote on my office wall that sums up our topic today, but I'm not going to share it yet until the end. Okay. Um, but Kedrin, you named our episode today your to-don't list. So I have two questions. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Okay. And why do you want to talk about it? It's January and everyone is setting these intentions and they have these new goals for the year. And so usually... They set a goal and along with that goal is a to-do list of all the things that they're going to do in order to accomplish their goal, which is great. Um, But I love what Anthony DeMello says, which is that transformation more readily comes from what we drop than what we do, Mm. than what we add in. Okay. So I think... It's more liberating, it's more freeing to think about what aren't we going to do that's going to help us become this next version of ourselves. So rather than add something to our to-do list, it's what we drop. Okay. So that's why I thought it was funny to say a to-don't list. Okay. I probably saw it once on Instagram or something, a to-don't list. But I feel like personally, organizationally, in your couplehood, for your team, thinking through what are we not doing here and what are we currently doing that we want to drop and and that is a more elegant way to get to the next better version of yourself. Okay. So there's clearly a need for not just the to-do list but the to-don't list. Yeah, I, I, almost every client I talk to every day continues to talk about Zoom exhaustion, hmm. burnout. You know, we see burnout data. It ranges everywhere from 42% of women saying that they're burned out on Indeed, I mean on McKinsey, to over 50% of, of all people saying that they're experiencing burnout on that Oof. most recent Indeed survey. So... Everyone's feeling burned out, and we're hearing quite a lot about how long meetings are, how back-to-back all their work is, how endless their work feels, and so that that's also why I thought, let's talk about what not to do. Okay. So what should we not do? <laughs> well, I think you have to be strategic and what you decide not to do. You just can't wake up and say, I'm not going to do any of it because <laughs> that, that's not going to go well. But I think you can be, um, like I said, strategic in understanding what's meaningful to me, what is actually in the right gear. I often think about riding a bicycle and, you know, are am I in the right gear to get up this hill mm. or am I you know, spinning and, and actually exerting more effort than I need to be. So, um, 
there are a lot of tools that I use personally and we use at Work Wisdom to make sure that we are not exerting undue effort Mm -hmm. because we don't have the time for that. We definitely don't have the money for it. We're a little startup and every stroke, Mm -hmm. uh, every rotation (laughs) needs to make sure that it's moving this bike forward. Mm -hmm. So I think a couple that I'm a big fan of, the first is a strategy screen. So that's a tool that we use when we do strategic planning for other organizations. And essentially it's a set of questions that help you make sure that this thing you're about to embark on, some new tactic, some new initiative, is actually going to help you win. Mm -hmm. So you can have these questions be in the form of a Likert scale, to what degree will this help us win? You know, to what degree will this uh, revolutionize achievement? To what degree will this improve profitability? To what degree will this um, differentiate us from competitors? To what degree will this build our intellectual capital in specific ways? Um, So you could score it. Zero, not at all. 10, a whole lot. Um, Or you could just make it binary, yes, no. Um, Does this fill in the blank? So if you run ideas through that and you get no's or you get low scores, it's a great way to engineer your activity so that you're not doing the things that are, are, are really having a low impact. Do you, is there a recommended size of a team or organization that could take advantage of this, or does it not matter? I don't think it matters. I made it up from, um, <laughs> I have a degree in policy science, as you know, from UMBC, very proud of my um, alma mater, a master's in policy science, and we were taught quite a lot about decision rules. So uh, it's a way to engineer your policymaking or your decision-making so that you have more optimal outcomes. And so I was doing a lot of strategic planning and feeling like the problem was more that organizations were not discerning what not to do. So I started creating um, these decision rules for organizations so that they could figure out what to say no to Mm -hmm. um, so that every time a new idea came along, it wasn't, yeah, let's do that. But it was more, is that, if does it make it through our filter? uh, So I guess I'm not answering your question, but (laughs) I think you can use it for an individual or a team or an entire company. Honestly, a community, even a whole community could use... uh, a filter set of questions to help ensure that they are not embarking on something that's wasted effort. Who's nobody's got time for that. No, no time for that. No. I so I love this because I'm an Enneagram nine. Mm-hmm. I'm a peacemaker. Mm-hmm. So I don't like conflict. Oof. I have a hard time with it. Yeah. I have to work really hard to put myself in the position. So if there's a strategy screen, if there's, you know, 
uh, structure mm-hmm. <laughs> to, or even like proof of like why I can say no to something mm-hmm. that makes me feel so good. Then it's not personal. Yeah, you can point at that. It's the bad guy. It's the strategy screen. Yeah. And then you're still I, wonderful. <laughs> Everybody still loves Sarah. Right. But it's that darn strategy screen. Stinking. That pesky strategy screen. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I mean, it's not exactly science, right? Yeah. But it is um, criteria that I, I encourage teams to make sure that everyone has created the strategy screen together, together. Okay. so that there's buy-in so that when someone comes up with some idea and it doesn't fit through the strategy screen they still believe in the instrument and so then they buy the outcome which is didn't make the cut it's not going to happen so we're not doing that is there a number like a magic number how many questions for the strategy screen Mm-mm. No, really. I don't okay. think so. I mean, I personally think it's nice if if you can somewhat have them in your memory. Okay. So that as you are ideating and coming up with new uh, possible tactics, you, you know what you're trying to engineer your tactics to fit through, mm-hmm. you know? So... Um, but we've worked with organizations that have maybe 30. Oh. I think, I can't remember how many the work wisdom one is, maybe 10, 15. Yeah. I, I was thinking 15, mm-hmm. uh, 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And you can just hold them loosely. Mm-hmm. I, we have a client and they they have them on the back of their agendas uh, when they have board meetings so that the board can think through opportunities or solutions to problems and think about how they're fitting through the strategy screen. Um, Or you can use it in a spreadsheet and then actually assign numbers to each of the, you know, to what degree questions. And then, and then you can see what, what sinks to the bottom. The trick of course, then if it's a group of people, is who gets a vote. Yeah. So, so that needs to be thought through. But so when we're thinking about our to-don't list, I think whether it's you're an individual or you're thinking about it for your company or your team, thinking about what are the questions um, that I can use as filters that will help to drive my efforts towards winning. I think that's important. So that's one idea. Okay, the strategy screen and, you know, I know you, so you have more than one. I uh, I got got a million of them. (laughs) A lot of ways. A a lot of ways. I think values are great ways Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. discern what not to do. So if you have real clarity, again, as an individual, as a team, as a company, as a community about what your deeply held beliefs are that guide your behavior. Um, if there's something that's not in alignment with your values, I would, I would say, don't do it, put it on your to don't list, you know? So, um, it takes a lot of thinking and prioritization. We use Roe values. Christy 
has uh, done some really interesting um, collaboration with Autumn Woods. So we now have these wooden values boxes. And so teams or individuals can prioritize what their top values are and what their bottom values are and then align tactics with that. So that's one way to decide what not to do. Beautiful. And, you know, when you were talking about the strategy screen being, it's good to have it like in your memory. Mm -hmm. I feel like values are really Mm -hmm. accessible Mm -hmm. because I can think of our work wisdom values, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of off the top of my head. So Mm -hmm. that's, that can help and what to say yes to, what to say no to. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so we come we have a document that lives on our Google Drive and all year long we throw ideas into it and it's called the ideas doc and then um we take a look at it when we come up on our ad hocracy quarter this is these are all other podcasts to explain all this stuff but um if something's not aligned with our values then it immediately goes in the trash yeah so it's a great way to make sure that we are not doing something that's not helping us become a more robust version of who we are i really like that tool yeah me too Mm -hmm. what else uh what other recommendations do you have um one that i like quite a lot for organizations is the use of archetype Mm -hmm. So if we think through these unconscious forms uh, that Plato and the ancient Greeks thought a lot about, they thought that even before we were born, we had some understanding of what narratives existed. So what a hero was like, what a warrior was like, what a caregiver was like, what an artist was like. So they they thought that even before we were born, we we came out of our mothers understanding what these different Mm. types were like. Mm. And then Carl Jung in the 1950s and 60s translated them into what we now use as archetypes. And so you see these in literature and film and um, they're really helpful in thinking about which one of these identities most resembles me or mm-hmm. or my organization. And so often when a company lands on an archetype, it can help them very quickly know what not to do. Yeah. So, so um, you know, if if an organization has landed on the um, the visionary, there there's there's certain things that might come up as possible tactics that it's like no way that's not what a visionary would do that is what the everyman would do or um you know the citizen might do maybe the hero but the visionary it's a different thing mm. so um once you have a a deep understanding of your archetype it can help you know what not to do okay I think when when COVID first hit and we had a pretty deep understanding of what the work wisdom archetype was 
And there were all these things that we thought, well, maybe if we do this, we could survive. If we could do this, we could survive. If we do this, we could survive. And we looked at our archetype and we said, well, actually, we're going to meditate. That's what, that's <laughs> what our archetype would do. And, and it worked for us. Hmm. It was weird, but we did it. <laughs> all right. So the strategy screen, using our values, utilizing archetypes. Um, I know you have a couple more up your sleeve. Mm, I definitely think that when we um, are crafting our to don't list, we might want to use the work of Yuri, who wrote a great book called The Positive No. The Positive No really requires that you know what you want. And mm-hmm. so you, you really start by um, affirming what your yes is. Okay. So you might say to the person, you know, this year I'm really focused on um, being fully present with my little kids. And so I, I would love to join your board, but I actually need to make sure that I'm home for dinner so that I can hang out with my kids. So I wish you all the best mm-hmm. with uh, your search for new board members, but I'm going to say no so that I can be sure that I'm really fulfilling my commitment to hanging out with my kids in the evening. Mm-hmm. So that's what the positive no might sound like. You start with what your big yes is, then you say no, then you repeat what your big yes is. So that's another thing. If we're going to have a to-don't list, we need to have constructive ways to say no. Constructive avoiding, learning how to actually avoid is important as well. So thinking about, okay, I'm not going to be assertive here. I I don't need to get what I want. I'm I'm not going to exert effort to to get this thing because it doesn't really matter. And I'm not actually going to spend any time trying to satisfy the interests of this other person Mm -hmm. either. So I'm just, I'm going to avoid. So (laughs) people hate that word, but that's technically what it is. It's not being assertive and it's not being uh, cooperative and just, it might look like empowering or delegating or just I'm out and, and being unapologetic about that constructive avoiding is another way. The big thing in the last couple of years that's been really popular and a lot of our millennial teammates love um, this book is essentialism. So essentialism's a lot like slowly and thinking about, well, what's really important here and uh, what will actually move the needle on my joy and play to my strengths Um, and then what am I not going to do? So being sure to align your behaviors, your calendar, your, your checkbook. Does anybody have a checkbook? I don't know, (laughs) but the way you spend money, um, on what's truly important to you. So, um, so I think just embracing the philosophy of what is essential in my life and then I'm going to put my attention and my focus, my energy on that which is essential and I'm going to drop the rest. 
you know, this sounds to me like emotional intelligence and the skill of like problem solving Mm -hmm. where we, where we problem solve when emotions are involved. Because I think sometimes when we are feeling fried, we're reactive and we're just like, I can't do it. But what I love about all of these tools is it helps us be more intentional. So Mm -hmm. we recognize the importance of the emotion and the feeling, but we, we pair it with making some choices based on what's in front of us. Mm, Yeah, that's a really great point. I always think about splashing. I I think about being in water and I think about what is splashing around, making the water wetter versus what is that incredibly powerful swimmer who's doing those breaststrokes the whole way across Mm -hmm. the lake and barely causing a ripple in the water Mm -hmm. and that's what I want and that's what I want for the people around me Um, being incredibly economical and judicious with every exertion so that it's moving the water as you want to move it so that you can get across the lake you know when you said about it reminds you of emotional intelligence it reminds me of the skill of impulse control or self-regulation depending on which books you read and so what am I not going to do yeah what am I not going to do here so that I can ultimately get what I want Mm -hmm. so I think almost everyone if they sit down and think about maybe some of these practices that we've just talked about but even their own life they can think about what am I going to take away and and stop doing so that I get to this life well lived mm. um, what I really want I guess it's like the uncarved block isn't it yeah. mm-hmm. well thank you of course yeah I hope it was helpful I'm so grateful to you for being part of this movement of helping others in the workplace to enhance their individual and collective team performance. I think this work is so important and I hope uh, just like you, that it helps people um, figure out what they're not going to do yeah. for 2022. Yeah. Um, thank you listeners for downloading the behaviors. We hope you'll subscribe. You can reach out to us uh, through our website, workwisdomllc.com or you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press and productions, ask questions, and even give suggestions of topics you'd like to um, you'd like us to explore in, in future episodes. So I promised I would say what the quote is on my wall. Mm. <laughs> and uh, it is our custom to end with a quote. Um, this is Coco Chanel. Elegance is refusal. Mm.